Hello and welcome to the Hammersy Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are back after a short break. And this week, we're talking about companies doing over 500k a month, which is the top level of the roadmap diagram we've been handing out. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, good morning, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. It's been, it's been a while. Has, has it been? Have we not done it for three, three or four weeks? I can't remember. It was it feels. I think it's four. I think it's the biggest. It's four weeks. Biggest gap we've ever done. But um, I know people must have been wondering what we're up to. Well, we 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 meant to uh, we meant to continue, but we didn't. Uh, it didn't quite happen, did it? So what? So while I was in London doing that um, doing that talk, yeah, at the event at Mailchimp. Um, yeah, and that, and then, I, and then I flew to Singapore, and we were very jet lagged, weren't we? So we met. So Mark and I met in Singapore for a, for a week. We haven't seen each other for for was it four years or five years? It was about years? four or five years, wasn't it? Yeah, and then we we met in Singapore. And what the weird thing was was that it was absolutely impossible to do a podcast when we're actually in the same in the same place. It was it was yes. like ten times ten times harder, which you wouldn't think. First of all, the internet wasn't as good, and second of all, like just because we're in the same room, like how the microphone works, we just completely, <laughs> completely stumbled, and um, so we, yeah, it just didn't happen. Didn't happen, did it? We could, we could, took some photos, no. some nice photos of different things, but it was, uh, it was, um, yeah, it was just not. It was. I thought, oh, we'll just do a podcast when we're there, and it, it, it didn't happen. Um, no, but it was good to catch up, and it was a nice, nice trip at the beginning. Yeah. Apart from the fact that after, after Singapore, I went to Davo to to meet with the team, and then it, it, I think I had the weekend with them, and then Monday I was in the office, and then I got COVID. So now I've not had COVID, so I'd, I'd had COVID for the first time in the Philippines, and I got stuck there for a week, and uh, all I pretty much saw was the bloody hotel room. And today, today is. Uh, Probably day twelve, I think, and uh, today's the first day I've just felt completely normal. And it take, took that long to, to yeah wipe, wiped you out. I did yeah, I was just really tired, and um, it was uh, it was it was just really annoying. So basically, um, it was a bit of a wasted trip to Davo, unfortunately. But uh, I'm sure it's a lovely place. Yeah. All I've pretty much seen is the inside of a hotel room, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that was why. And you weren't you were gap was even bigger because like last week I was like no can't can't even think about doing it no and you weren't really that enthusiastic to do a podcast when you were no lying in bed with a migraine and COVID <clears throat> yeah yeah as, as as you were I was keen yeah you should have done it on your own should have just should have just we could have yeah. done well then people would have realised that you know that, that I'm the best yeah I'm the best and then they just voted you out or you could have fallen on your face. And um, everybody could have realised you're <laughs> you're an idiot, and um, ah. exposed. I like on our website, on yeah. our new website, that you've now got your own page, and I haven't. And, yeah. And I like the way that you. All I've emailed I you. I was told you. And I like the way that you claim great one. Claim the author of the book, his latest books. Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't matter. What's wrong with that? You should probably read our book, to be honest, Ian. <laughs> yeah. 
Listen, I taught you all you know. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. You know, you're just some nerdy professor that sits in the back room, pontificates over yeah. which direction, doesn't know. And I just come in and say, look, this is the important thing. It's what you're going to have to do. You get wheeled out on stage and I just pull the strings. like. Uh, I create clarity out of your mess. Handling. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably talk about what we're going to talk about today. And we, we it's actually it's actually the the fourth level, isn't it, of the uh, of the roadmap that we were doing. We were doing the roadmap um, and we did the different levels. So the first one we did was naught to 40k a month. And then we did um, 40k to 200k a month, 200k to 500k a month. And the final one was like when you're getting up to 500k uh, plus a month. And um yeah. You know, to be honest, I think before before we wrote the book and everything, we probably more, a lot of our time was actually spent working with people doing 500k a month. That was actually where we did the, most of our work. And then once we read the book, wrote the book, and obviously when we start up our own e-commerce sites, you can't start at 500k a month. You've got to start at the beginning and grow it. But, um, you know, a lot of our, our, our stuff kind of came came from 500k a month um you know some you know it's not even necessarily that big um in terms of it no it isn't but it's 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 a step and it's a it's a milestone and i think the diff there's just there's a massive difference between doing 100k a month and 500k a month you know you are in a different league in terms of what you're doing and where you're going and 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 it, 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 the, the things we're going to talk about really are about what's poli- polishing, you know, the, what you've got, but also the opportunities you've got at that level, which you won't have had lower down. So, do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to augment that that introduction to the topic at all? Ian? Yeah. We'll try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, because it was interesting because we're working with with quite a few 500k a month ecom brands at the moment, and we're also working with with ecom brands that are doing you know 100k a month mm. and um they are there are some massive similarities between the the strategy you know to ha- how you get a 100k a month business to 200k a month and how you get a 500k a month business to a million a month you know, the, the, broadly similar. You, you, you know, you, you think it's you think there's some sort of magic. I think if you're outside of that and you're looking in and you're looking at the business that's doing 500k a month, you're thinking, what? They, they're doing something unique. You know, they're doing something different than everyone else. No one else knows. They've cracked it. And the truth of it is that the, the strategy is the same. You know, so if you're doing, you, you know, 100k a month, you want to grow, it's pretty much the same broad strategy as the as the five hundred k a month, um, and in that, what what I mean is, it's still about the maths. It's still about the target sheet and the margin calculator, which tells you how much you can cost, you can pay to recruit a customer, and how much they're worth over a lifetime. And it's still about the drop by drop. You know, the fundamentals are exactly the same, but I think the difference is with the business that's doing five hundred k a month is you can make smaller changes and get a big result because you've got a bigger base you've got more traffic so you know whereas if you're doing you know 50 grand a month you might say oh do you know what 
there's no point doing that because we're not going to get enough return. Like, you know, let's say you do some split testing, some conversion rate split, split testing, and you improve your conversion rate by 0.1%. You know, if, you, if, you do, if you're small, it's nothing. It, it's, not going to, it's not going to move the needle enough mm. to make a difference. Whereas if you're doing 500k a month and you do it, you know, it might be a million pounds. Yeah, you've, you've got more data um, to play with. Of revenue. You've got that more data to play with. Yeah. I think the other difference, so that, the other difference is that yeah. within 500k a month, you've probably got several smaller businesses inside your business that are maybe doing 100k a month, 200k a month or something like that. So, you know, it's like what we're going to talk about, the category champions. But where, whereas... You know, you might be competing against, let's say you're selling sofas and beds and, and uh, um, you know, dining room furniture. <clears throat> now, you'll be competing against somebody who just sells sofas and you'll be competing against somebody who just sells dining tables. And so as you get bigger, you become not necessarily competing because you, you'll go, we'll say to people, oh, who's your competitor? And they'll go, oh, it's these guys because these are a similar size. But it's but what you forget is that underneath that, the the customer doesn't care how big you are. The customer will still compare you to who they compare you to when they actually go and buy the product. And so you start to have to silo the business down into the distinct, basically categories that you've got, um, yeah. which you can't really do if you go to 40k. It's just not you know. No. Is it? no. No, and it might you might you might you might you might not need to do it on. You might not have fundamental categories, but what you'll have is you'll have some products that you are you're running at different margins. You'll have some products that get that that, that give better lifetime customer value. Mm. You're starting to to broadly group your new products into different camps, and you you then start to have a different strategy for each one. And when we say different strategy, we mean well, really, what's our recruitment strategy? Um, because you might be able to be much more aggressive with some products than others because you have a better margin. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and I think at this stage, I'll just say, because I was just going to say, you, you didn't let me finish my little okay, you know, sorry. augmentation of the, of, the, of the thing. What I would say at this stage, like any stage of e-com, there is an overwhelming temptation to do everything all over the place. Um, and in some respects, it's even more dangerous at this level because, you know, you're doing 500k a month and you, you've got, it's dangerous at every level, but you've got people telling you you should do everything left, right and centre. And the way that Mark and I approach it is we fundamentally ask ourselves, well, what we actually, we actually ask three, three questions, which are the same, the same three questions, which are, what is the fundamental thing that we need to do to double it? And we, and we say what, what? And when we say, we ask that three times, we get three things. So, for example, business we're working with at the moment is doing about twenty-five million. We're saying they want to double. We're saying, okay, well, they need to increase the ad spend. Why can't they spend any more? That's the first question. The second one is um, we need to we need to get the emails up massively. Um, and and the third one is we need to, we need to understand exactly. Uh, how far we can push each category mm. and which ones we need to pull back on. And like, so there were three fundamental things, but, but it does come on to the fact that the biggest term is the category champion. 
which people may have heard us talking about. The category champions essentially is, is like you said, you take you take mini businesses um, within within it, and it might be category. And I, it's category champion is something that we're seeing further down as well. Mm. So it isn't exclusive to the five hundred k. I mean, you know, I think you can. St- it's still relevant if you're in the in the lower tier, um, if you've got products. Because to be honest, it's the only way you can do it. Like, uh, like you might have a product that has a twenty percent margin. You might have a product that has an eighty percent margin. Mm. And like, you you can't run that in the same Google Shopping campaign or even the, the you know the same Facebook Instagram campaign because it's your you know your 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 ability. You're essentially. I mean, you said the analogy. You said if if you've got products like that, it's like it's like having an Olympic athlete running at the same speed as a normal bloke. Mm. You know, and they're being they're being the Olympic athletes are being held up by this normal bloke who's plodding along. Going, what you want is you want your Olympic athletes to go and run ahead because they can go much faster than the twenty percent margin. So. You know, if you've got we something. start to split it up and we start to because what ha- what tends to happen is once you're doing roughly around a million a month and you have a bad month, you don't know why because it's spread across many categories and you go, well, I don't know, mm. you know, I know I'm down, but I don't know whether it's this category that's down or this category. down. I can see that. But I, am I spending more on that category than I did last year? And am I um, is it not converting as well? It, it, you need to understand how the, the category champions, the category silos in your business are performing. So then you can have an understanding of, of, of what's going on and what to do. Because unless you break it down, you're just kind of like completely reactive to the situation. So yeah. one of the- It's just one big mush, mm. isn't it? It's like, it's just one big massive pot. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, this, this business we're working with, with at the moment, you know, they're, they're their Monday, I was saying, well, the first thing is we want to make sure that their management's right. So what, you know, they're reporting, they're, they're, they're having the right meetings with the right reports, yeah. you know, and, and, and we work out, okay, well, this is this, it's the flying bridge methodology. And it's, you know, it's like what, what you need to look at every day, what you need to look at every week, um, what you need to look at every month mm. and what you need to look at every quarter. And most important is what not to look at. So the first, the first thing that, that we do when we go to, the bigger the bigger businesses is we say well show us what you're reporting on what are you, what are you what's your team looking at and then did this did this exercise with this this business it's doing 25 million that wants to get to 50 and i said Let, let's have a look at your monday report and honestly it must have taken them about three days to put this weekly report together it was massive it was like a big powerpoint with every orifice of data you could ever possibly see massive massive effort detail required guess what they did with that data when they reviewed it talked about it every monday talked about it i guess and did nothing yeah talked about it and did nothing Mm. did nothing because it didn't tell them anything yeah because it was meaningless it's like well so what what does that mean Mm. you know what do we do about that and and so the the first thing was was to strip all of that out, and then they'll have bits and pieces that they'll need to, you know, report on for sure. In addition, but in a nutshell, we stripped it all out, and we said what we need is a very simple mechanism that tells us whether or not we can push the accelerator pedal, uh, or we need to press the brake pedal. Mm. And the only way 
to do that is to split the business down into these category champions mm. where you can see exactly what you're spending on each category and exactly what your new customer recruitment return is, your ROAS for each category mm. is. And obviously, you know, at this point, you should know how much you're willing to spend on each mm. category because you've done your, your margin calculator. So you therefore have this very, very quick, and that's all you need, yeah. you know, because at that point, it's like, should we go for it? Should we go for it? Should we go aggressively? Or should we start? And like, I don't know. I cannot think of any other way that gives you that very quick clarity um, at, the, at that stage. And to be honest, I, do, I mean, it's, it, really, the, the overall philosophy is, is that you do exactly the same process in terms of our flying bridge which is something that mark and i came up with it's like a management philosophy of running an e-com business you do exactly the same that um, that you do at the lower level which because you're doing it for the overall business everything you do exactly the same but you're just doing it for each category mm. you know at the bigger level without that you're blind you god knows and sometimes i think you know sometimes it randomly happens sometimes it doesn't when the when when the sales don't hit your target, you've got no idea. If you don't have the categories split mm. and you're reporting in that way, you've got no bloody idea. You're floundering around, and you you know what happens? You go into every single nook and cranny of your business mm. trying to find out the reason why, and you become obsessed with it. What? And you spend months and months and months looking at data that you think is the answer. Look at the um, yeah. there's, that, there's that company we, we were, we're working with at the moment that got themselves into trouble um, before they, they've come to us after they went bankrupt basically and they yeah. bought the company and they've come back they were doing about 14, 14 million and yeah. they they got into trouble because they'd got different agencies reporting in different ways than they had internally they knew their CAC customer acquisition cost was too high was 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 getting higher. But they didn't understand the impact of that on the long term. And had they had a margin calculator for each category to understand the cost of, uh, of acquiring a customer in each category and understanding how that was playing against it, they could have basically in this business it sells food during COVID. They should have absolutely made an absolute bloody fortune, but it just went wrong. Because they hadn't got, they had a disconnect between what was happening internally, what was happening externally, and how things were reporting. So the, 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 the agency was reporting on the cost of any customer, not... They were reporting on total sales. Yeah. So, so they were saying, uh, okay, we spent, you know, £200,000 on AdWords, mm. on Google Ads. And this is the total revenue we've had back, mm. you know. And but they were reporting on the entire business revenue, yeah. obviously not not on um, not on new customer acquisition. And to be honest with you, when you hear that, you're like, how is that still happening? You know, at that level, really great, really great business, great brand, looked fantastic. Mm. Um, and yeah, and the, and and the and the truth of it was that their minimum new customer ROAS was that they were they were capable of recruiting a customer. The lowest there was was three point three point five, so three hundred and fifty times percent. 
So for every pound they spent, they needed £3.50 back. That was the minimum. Anything below that, they lost money on. And so they, what, what happened was they, the agency, in reality, was working on a two-time thrower mm. because they were reporting on total revenue. So obviously they were going, right, yeah, spend more, spend more, spend more. And the break-even point for that business was, I think, about 16, 16 million. And they were doing about, about 12, 12 and a bit. Um, and so they just couldn't get there. So the only way they could get to the 16 million break-even was by spending more. But the more they spent, the more money they, lo- they, they lost mm. because they were recruiting at a loss. I think- and they got themselves into a mess. And it was really because um, it was propped up by cheap, VC money that didn't really understand what the, the what the, obviously didn't understand the model, and they were hoping that it would be a future valuation. That's yeah, I, I, know, I that, think and that's what I you that see what was, all the time. That, that market was full of that. It was a race to revenue at any yeah. cost, and yeah, without. I mean, I, I don't know who put this money up, but there was obviously cheap money, and they were just pouring money into things, and that and at no one did, at any point said, "Well, what's how long is that money going to take to?" mature into something i think it was almost like we'll get to a certain tipping point and then we'll we'll be be worth something but you've got to you've got to grow you've got to grow the profit all the time you can't i mean there are there are steps i mean you know look at some businesses that you know you have to get a certain level of uh, containers coming in to secure a certain level of pricing so there there is that but it, it, you know once you've got there you know, just doing 20 containers a month as opposed to 10 containers a month. There's no, there's no extra scale. You're not going to get anything. So the profitability has to be built in. Otherwise, yeah. you're just, you're just building. You're just, you like the almost like a busy fool on it, on, on speed, aren't you? Well, I think, I, yeah, I think, I think what tends to happen is that, that, that you know, there's a, there's some vague hope that by throwing money at it, it'll somehow, will somehow come out the other end. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, when the market is very buoyant, you know, sometimes that strategy pays off. Mm. Personally, I would, I can't sleep at night, but that was no way I would be, I would be happy with that. Mm. Um, I want to know a very, very simple way. Um, I want to know exactly how much I need to, uh, I can pay to recruit a customer and I want to know how much they're worth over a lifetime. Um, yeah, because without, without that, you know, you screwed. So. It's it, it is a it is what well, I think at the lower level when you're doing you know your 50k a month 100k a month and you're looking up at the big big guys um, and you're thinking they know all the answers you know what they've got a bloody clue and the and the more that we work at that level the more, the more I see not in all cases but I, the more I see of this uh, if leaning back on the brand. Um, and and actually, I think some of the true, I think true work, really sharp uh, of people who are doing the best work at the moment is not in the, you know, the 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 million pound plus ones. I think it is it is getting people to ten million. I think that's the. Mm. I think it's, I think getting from zero to ten million is is a is a is really you have to be you have to really know your numbers. Once you get past ten million, you you do have a bit of a brand effect. Don't you? Mm. You have a little bit of a bit more of a word of mouth. You have a little bit more presence. It does, and also you have a bit more buying power, so you can buy more aggressively. You can deal mm. with your suppliers a bit more. 
get more, you know, you can put a little bit more pressure on them for credit terms and things like that. Mm. So you're starting to, and it becomes harder for the for the small people to keep up. But fundamentally, you still got to know exactly how much you, how much you can afford to recruit a customer at. Mm. I think once you get to yeah. around 500, 500k a month, it's about you'll know what messages convert for the customer. You'll know what offers your signature offers are, and you'll know what your pain points and your desire points will be. And so a lot of the time you've got that playbook that, but it's about refining that and actually making it into, you know, like top quality kind of content and things like that and amplifying it out because really a lot of the time that those lower levels are, are about finding a lot of time the offer. You know, it, and, and when I say offer, it's not just like 20% off or whatever. I'm talking about the whole offer, the whole value proposition about what you're doing and why and how you deliver it and how yeah. you get to the customer. And and, and the reason why, I'll just say, that, inter, interject a bit, the reason why that's so important at that level is because I think it's very rare. In fact, I did see one yesterday, but it's very rare that you'll be in a, a space that isn't, already served by an existing business mm. or many 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 other people selling the same type of product you know you might have you, you, you so you your real question is is why why should people buy from me mm. you know because you whatever what are you selling i don't know trousers you know there's lots of people selling trousers how are you going to go into the market and get people to buy from you how are you going to be disruptive mm. And that's what you're trying to figure out. Because you're not growing. That, you're not growing the trouser stage. market. You're taking trousers off somebody else. You're taking a yeah. trouser off an incumbent, maybe someone who's old-fashioned, maybe who's someone who's not using a, a fabric that, that is popular anymore. They, they, maybe they are too slow to deliver. You know, maybe they, they just don't look right. You know, there's there's all different ways that you, you've got to come into the market. And by the time you get to 500k a month, you know you're onto something, but it's a case of amplifying what you've got. And yeah. you know, we leaning yeah. in as well, deeper into those mm. bits that work. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you should be doing split tests all over the place. So that's, I mean, that's one of the things we put in the convert column is mm. is doing a lot more split tests because it's also you, you can't quite you can't you can't be as gung ho as you can um, at the lower levels at this at this stage. So, for example, you know, we often do a lot of work around around the offer architecture. Um, and and what you know what the recruitment offer should be, what the retention offer should be, and when you're doing you know, hundred grand a month, we can be quite, we can be right, we can be quite fast and gung ho with it because we haven't got much to lose. We you know we've got nothing, we've got no no real risk there. At this top level, we'd have to be a little bit more considered, and so we might we might say you know what we should split test this, even if it's a pain. To split test, we really should be split testing this, yeah, because we don't want to. We, we don't want to. You know, there's more. There's more to lose, isn't it? You know, you've got a business that's already doing, you know, possibly even ten million at this stage. Mm. You know, but what is what is interesting about stake. split testing is that you can refine it. So whereas if you're doing forty k a month, you do a split test. You tend to be split testing like, should I put this element here or should I not? Whereas as you get bigger, what you'll find is you'll find that that split test works for new customers, but not for existing customers. Like for example, we used to find, I mean, this was, this was probably five years ago now and probably not relevant, but like we found that showing the PayPal 
button on the product page was great for new customers and not for existing customers. And so we'd start to have slightly different websites for new and existing customers, for different platforms, for different landing pages, for different products. It would start to be not necessarily one website that everybody saw. Now, the, the, the only reason to do that is because you're starting to do enough traffic um, to make those little personalizations work. Um, whereas, you know, if you're doing 100K a month, it's just, you're not, you're, A, you're not going to get the data to see it. So you're not going to know that that's better. And B, it's just a pain to maintain. It's also a waste of time. It's so, you, you, you'll see, as you, some of you may have listened to Mark and I ramble on for many years, you'll see that the overall philosophy of, of what we're saying is, is navigate your way through the, the, the BS in our world mm. so that you're not doing the wrong thing, you know, because it's full of shiny distractions. And if you pick up, if you, if you get obsessed with something you think is going to move the needle, you know, you, and it doesn't, which happens all the time, um, you've just wasted your six months of your life mm. and your competitive growth. But that's a really good example of, you know, if we would, if we had an econ brand that was doing a hundred thousand a month, would we be bothered about personalizing the site so it's slightly different for existing customers versus, versus uh, sorry, new customers versus existing? No, probably wouldn't. We'd be much more focused on 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 the fundamental um, offer architecture. We'd be keeping it simple because there wouldn't be any gain. There would be other things that would be much more obvious, much more fundamental. But at the at the higher level, you know, yes, you'd start to find that there are things because it's justified. That makes a big difference. The easiest thing to do, really, at that at, when you've got you know a five hundred k a month plus. Is to get your current customers to buy more. Mm. You know that's that's and also that's fundamental. The reason it's different is because, like, take take Sarah, take Sarah Horan who sells handbags. Like, once you buy a handbag from Sarah Horan, you want to see all the stuff. You want to see all the things you can customize your bag with, and you want to see how it fits and all that kind of stuff. But when you're a new customer, showing them all that stuff is just completely overwhelming and confusing. So you know, if she gets to like ten million mm. a month. She would have a very different website for first-time customers as she would have for existing customers because effectively the new customer is going to be totally overwhelmed and they're not going to convert because they're having to see all the stuff that that they don't understand and they're going to they're going to they're going to bounce. So it, 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 companies like that, where the behaviour of a new customer is very different from an existing customer, can make a big difference on the. Um, on how you how you'd set the site up for personalization you new existing customers yeah yeah and um i, I agree I mean, and then i mean i think i think the other side the other side of at this level as well is you've you've it's probably something we don't talk about as much as we should do um, but it is it is something that we're, we're increasingly becoming aware of that is it is very very important is the is the cash flow mm. Is the cash flow of actually buying stock um, and getting that right, and and obviously being able to forecast which stock to buy and which which stock not to buy. Um, and I think it, obviously at this level, it, 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 well, at all levels really, it becomes about cash flow. Yeah. Um, and 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 being able to have the, the knowledge to be able to go in because obviously when we said the other day, 
uh, for our own econ brands, we were like, well, nothing's going to affect conversion rate more than not having the stock. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, that's yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're getting much, much, much more aware of of how to forecast that correctly. Um, so you you know, so you're having the sell through rates, and and there are some great. That I mean, there's there's VQ, isn't there? Mm. I've probably pronounced that wrong, and there's the inventory planner, um, and then there's the you know there's like the reports in Shopify. If you're on Shopify, like the ABC ones, mm. um, and and then we were chatting to another customer the other day that had gone, they'd done really well actually. They'd gone from um, I think they did about five hundred to five hundred and twenty k a month, and they want to times it by six, and said the biggest challenge that they have is the is paying for the stock. Um, and they were using a company called Trend, which is T R E Y D, to help them finance the stock. Mm. So it wasn't like a loan, like a PayPal loan or Shopify loan or a normal bank loan. It was it was just a, a short like a term thing to, yeah. to help them with the yeah, for just for the inventory specifically for the inventory set up for that. And that's you know because those are the things that you know you read. You, because sometimes in order to, I mean, another business we're working with at the moment that's been stuck at about 150K a month for about five years now. Mm. And the reason they're stuck at 150K a month is because they're buying from UK wholesalers. So their margin is like 35%. And, you know, they've got a lovely brand. They've got loads of traffic and great PR. It's a great feel of the business. But they are, they've hit a wall because their margin is not good enough. Mm. And so what they really got to do, and it's really an emotional decision as well, because, of, you know, we, they need to improve the math in order to get to the 500K. They need to improve the math and they need to improve the margin yeah. because there's nothing else they can do. The site is, is, is optimized pretty well. Um, you know, they've got most of it in. The margin is just so low, which means that their, their, min, their minimum row up that they need to recruit a customer at is eight. Mm. Whereas the competitors are, are at four. So obviously they can get away with, the competitors can get away with so much more. So that, that's the next step. So it's like, how do you go about that? Because you're going to have to go and source product directly. You have to go over to, you know, mm. to you know, China or Vietnam or India to go and source them and get containers and you're dealing with that world. And that's quite, that, that's quite daunting. Yeah. Because you're starting to say, you know, well, re yeah, what are we doing? I mean, there's a business yesterday that was doing a million, and they're running it from home, and 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 I said, well, wait, what, what, let's talk about targets. And we talked about two million, three million. She's like, whoa, like I'm running this from home, like. I, and I said, yeah, but you know, what's the plan? Mm. You know, do you want to do you want to you want to carry on at a million for the next ten, um, or do you want to do you want to go for it? And she said, I want to go for it. I said, okay, well then let's 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 talk about getting to that next level. And then obviously that that would have meant. You know, a, a whole different level of of logistics of, of you know actually you know buying power and things like that. So you've got to make those decisions at this point, which we you know, which we're having to do for our own businesses too. And I think that you know you've got yeah. a lot more you've got a lot more data at this point in terms of you know which products have the highest lifetime customer values, which which products yeah. aren't worth selling. You know, so you and you 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 can split those off, and you can start to say, well, I know that this product is bought with other products. When it's bought with other products, fine. But if it's bought on its own, 
you know, do I really want the customer that comes and spends 19 bucks with me? Do they ever turn into something? And you can see for the data, you've got much better visibility of understanding what customers you want to incentivize, because what tends to happen is as you get bigger, is you get parts of the business that are dragging you down. Like they're just, you know, they're, 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 they're pockets of busy fools within the business where you're never going to make a, a money out of that customer. And we've got one in our, in our, one of our businesses. It's, um, it's pillar cases. So if people buy pillar cases on their own, they're just waste of time. But within the data, you can't really see that until you're doing enough at scale to kind of go, we mm. don't want these orders. They're just not worth going out. So in that case of the pillar case, so it's a low average order value um, product. What would you say? Would you just remove it from the shopping feed yeah. as, as an example? Well, the difficulty with it, the difficulty with it was just hard to see because they're part of the bedding sets. So when people buy bedding sets, they buy pillows. So if you look at the normal data, you go, oh, well, the pillowcase buyers, they seem to be buying a lot more. It's only when you say, let me see all the buyers who just buy pillowcases on their own yeah. um, or whether or not it's there. And, and it comes down to, I mean, obviously you don't remove them from the site because people buying the bedding sets might to buy want to buy another pillowcase and things like that or they might want to come back and buy it but you don't recruit on that you don't go out to the market and say yeah. i'm going to go and recruit on pillowcase buyers because what happens it's 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 it seems to be like and, and, and I'm, this is a generalization but with e-commerce when you're selling a multitude of products the first average order value of what they buy the first time seems to dictate how how good they are with lifetime customer value yeah so if you sell something for like 14 quid for example that customer is nowhere near as good as someone who comes along and buys something for 170, 170 pounds. They see you in a different way. And so you, it's kind of finding those wasted spend on your recruitment. And there's a lot of inefficiency there that you can kind of hone in on to actually understand what you want. I mean, take the business that went bankrupt. I bet you within the categories when I start looking at it, you'll find some categories of the higher quality products that the lifetime customer value is way, way higher than the other ones. And you'll yeah. be able to say, well, you know, let's go and sell, um, you know, those products. So it, it, I mean, it's difficult for me to yeah. talk about it without mentioning what it is, but. Well, I, yeah. yeah. But if we saw this, I mean, we saw this with the, with the, the big American um, baby clothing retail and there's lots of baby products in america and they're doing um big numbers yeah big numbers weren't they but they, a lot of the products were some of the products were their own brand with a 70 percent margin and the rest of them were other people's brands with a like 30 30 odd 30 something percent i think less mm. 30 let's call it 30 percent margin and the first thing that we did when we came in was was looked at that was looked at that and said well you know, you're spending, everything was in the same, they were spending, everything was in the shopping feed. Um, everything had the same ROAS. Um, they weren't looking at um, lifetime customer value at all. Um, and so the first thing we did is just move the budget around. We didn't, we, did, we didn't reduce the budget because we knew if we reduced the budget, we weren't going to hit the target we needed. We'd move budget from some products to other products. We, we just pushed heavy because... For example, the products they were selling themselves had a better margin and a better lifetime customer value. It's actually one of the that was kind of like a no-brainer. One of the biggest myths in e-commerce is this is this belief that things will cross-pollinate. So, like you'll say, "Oh, I'll sell pillowcases because those people will come back and buy the bedding," 
and and I think people are guilty of this across lots of different areas. And that, that was certainly the case with the big American retailer selling baby stuff. But like, let me take you back to somebody right back in our history, and she was selling her own dog food, right? And her plan was she would sell uh, the popular brands of dog food and get the dog buyers, and then she would convert them to her own dog food. And that was kind of like the biggest I think I can remember it, but the biggest mistake that someone thought the cross-pollination was ever going to work. Because what tended to happen, obviously, if someone's coming to buy their dog food, that's the dog food they buy, and that's what they want to buy, and they're not going to change to anything else. And so you, you, get, this, you get this belief in e-commerce businesses that a customer is, is, is a customer, and they're going to be able to buy everything. And they're just, they're just not. Like if you're selling golfware and some of people can buy, buy a hat, they might only ever buy a hat. They're never, never going to buy a golf jacket. And so the, as you get bigger, you start to see these myths, these kind of fallacies within your data where you start to see that customer is never going to buy anything from anything else. And therefore, if we take that on face value, that customer is worth this much. And therefore, we can only pay that amount for that customer. And you'll, you'll see this across lots of big e-commerce businesses, whereas before it was all kind of blended. And now you can start to see which customers you want to recruit more of and which ones you just are never going to make money out of. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. Yeah, it's so the first, the first thing to do, and you, you've got much more to go because when you when you you're, when you're smaller, you know, you do have to catch your net a little bit wider, don't you? Because mm. you don't know what's going to stick. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing we were chatting, we were on the level two group yesterday, and we was chatting about. Uh, you made you made a comment, and because it was saying because you you know you've got a bunch of customers. Maybe you've got you know a hundred thousand people on your you know on your mailing list. You know your email database. You've got you know you know x amount of active customers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's this there's this assumption that um, that people are brand loyal. So once they've bought from you once, like let's say you're selling um, okay, let's say you're selling a some golf clothing. Um, you know, it's your own brand of gold clothing, and and there's an assumption that once somebody's bought from you, that they are loyal, that they, they you own that customer, that they are yours exclusively, and then and therefore you don't need to do any, um, you don't need to work very hard for them again because they're just going to buy, like they're not going to buy any other golf brand. And it's it, you said that brand loyalty doesn't exist, but brand preference does. Mm. So you know they, they you know they're not ever going to and i think that's true in in most cases obviously you get some i mean i think where we're in a chat with a, com a company yesterday is coming onto the deep dive and they are selling um like cosmetics f female mm. cosmetics for hygiene relation uh, products and i won't tell exactly what it is but i think people can guess but the, you know there's, there's a and there's a problem solving nature mm. to it and people are very 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 loyal with certain it's a sticky like it. cosmetics yeah. particularly it's like, very much and people buy the same yeah. you know face cream for 10 years don't they mm. so but so there is a bit of there's a little bit, little, bit of a loyalty there but in most cases and even in that case they'll still go and try other brands occasionally mm. like you don't own them just because people buy from you once a year but you, don't, you don't own them at all so yeah don't get complacent with that don't think that you're in some sort of you know unique position because You've got to work bloody hard 
to convince an existing customer to buy from you again just as just as much as the 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 new customer especially now because what's happening now in the market people you know there's a chance to be disruptive people are looking for other supplies people may have bought their sofa from loaf you know for the, oh, i always buy my furniture from loaf always you know the last 10 years now they're going oh my god that sofa's seven thousand pounds you know what i'm going to go and have a look around I'm going to go and have a look at you know, who, who else is out there now so it's a good opportunity for, especially when you're going to grow by stealing market share and even that business that's doing you know 25 million mm. they're still tiny in the grand scheme of things mm. you know in the goliath and they're still going to grow by stealing market share yeah you know but just remember you, you know don't get complacent with it and don't think you own the customer you know and don't don't be precious about mm. about not doing offers <laughs> Yeah, still got to get, still got to get somewhere. I think the overall message of this podcast is that you you have the data now to um, really understand what the business is doing. You've got the data to understand which parts of the business are dragging you back and which ones are important, and then you can focus completely on the opportunities that you have. So let's say you do a drop by drop by each category, you suddenly go bloody hell that we only need to hit a row of this on on that category, but it's doing this. We should be massively accelerating that whereas this other category which is one of our big categories we can't accelerate that because the cost per customer in that category is too high at the moment so we really need to work mm. on that category to understand why why that's dropping why yeah. are we not getting a conversion rate on that category and where we need to why go. why we can't spend mm. on it that's the question yeah. so very quickly you say you do that per category and you say well we're stuck we've we, we hit a wall with this category yeah you know, we can't go any harder. But this category here is flying. We can actually spend more. You know what? You might just say, fine, we've hit a wall on there. Let's leave it. Let's let's push these. You only need to get you only need to get you know? to your target in one way. You don't you know, there's you know, there's, yeah. there's 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 many ways up the mountain, isn't there? And you don't necessarily you hit yeah. a hit an obstacle. The only the only the only reason to go past the obstacle and the work to go past the obstacle if you haven't got any other routes. I mean it it would be silly just to try and And there are ways you know, yeah, there are waves and trends that happen in e-commerce all the time. I mean, from a customer retail perspective, mm. you know, you see this in the home furnishing market so much that all of a sudden, you know, copper, copper themed mm. lighting will take off, and then and then you know, then it moves on to concrete themed, and then it moves on to different types of fabrics and stuff for sofas, and it's like you have these waves, mm. and if you don't spot those waves coming. You know, you're obsessed with why our copper lighting isn't selling anymore. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, the weight is moved. And that, that's why doing it in this way, this category champion, and reporting on ROAS per each category, which is a little bit more complicated, but it's, it's the only way. You spot these waves, yeah. you spot these trends, you just get behind the waves. Waves are double-edged. They're you a double-edged sword, though. And you, you, you have to be careful because on one hand, you you can ride a wave, but on the other hand, what, what e-commerce people tend to do is they think the wave's going to continue forever. So, you know, yeah. you can, you can, you can you look, look at know. like Crocs, for example. Like Crocs went huge, didn't it, at some point? And they started opening up loads and loads of stores and they started doing that kind of stuff. And, and then it and then it died yeah. off. And then it became just, you know, what it was. Happens all, it happens the, all time. the time. And they overcapitalize. Re retail brands. They overcapitalize. And they over things. And you think this is, this is going to be there forever. And you've got to be careful that you ride the wave whilst looking for the next wave and, and not thinking that we've now made it. 
yeah. which was COVID. Well, and the COVID wave, but the, the waves, the waves. Lots of oh people, my God. Lots of people caught. It's they ridiculous. thought that, oh, I'm doing 17 million now. I'm going to yeah. be doing 20 million this year. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just riding a wave and it's yeah. about to stop. Yeah, and you can have waves within the business too. Mm. Certain products will take off, mm. certain styles. Mm. I was just remembering when, yeah. um, okay. when it was Brooks Avenue was doing tweed jackets and tweed jackets became incredibly fashionable and it was just like everybody yeah. was wearing tweed by the next year everybody was like I don't, want to wear, I don't want to wear tweed anymore and then and then it's yeah i can't remember it's something else now something some other kind of unconstructed jackets or something like that and different stuff that's all, mm. all, all the rage i always have to look these things up because i get these these search terms i'm like bloody hell what's that what's that you're still, you're still, you're following fashion in 1990. Well, I haven't since I had COVID. I haven't got out of these tracksuit pants for for two weeks. <laughs> I had to take Mark shopping in Singapore. I said, Mark, come on, we're gonna have to come and buy some clothes for you. You only bought me a white shirt. That was it. <laughs> I bought him a white shirt and some better trousers. Did you buy me some trousers? Because his t-shirt, you just look. It was just sort of like. I did look baggy t-shirt that was like covered in it was just not I did good look like a homeless person. I mean I you it know was, it was really it was I was in old clothes <laughs> I'd gone out just for like because not thinking we're going anywhere and then it was really hot in Singapore so I started sweating and it was a gray t-shirt so it just made me look like I was a homeless man sweating in I no tell you what you took it's... me to the top floor of that place and I and you had some kind of nice food and I had a Thai curry that was like yeah, a very hot, so spicy yeah. that I thought I was going to die. I yeah, I did look at you halfway through that. I think, oh my god, you you're gonna have you're gonna have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> like you were dripping with sweat. I've never been Pratt, so like hot. gone really pale. I, I was like, what is wrong with you? Stop me talking. We did the um, we did that podcast, that video podcast. We tried to do the interview in the sun, and and we were we were just started off in the shade, and it gradually gradually kind of came and by the end of it we we're both kind of like melting in the chairs and just no trying. you don't realize how hot you're getting until no. yeah you stop speaking because you're excited about yeah it, chatting about e-commerce anyway yeah it was nice though it was nice to go and sit in a sun lounger and actually i liked i liked strategizing in the pool that was the favorite yeah part. yeah that was good it's actually it was just, we should tell people where we stayed we stayed at the cent um sentosa sofitel which is the centres of the island off Singapore. And having been to Singapore probably about six, seven times now, um, probably the favourite place we stay because you're in a, you're in the city centre, um, you're really close to the city centre, but you're on this island and you can go for a walk on the beach and it just feels a little bit more chilled out. Whereas, you, whereas if yeah, you're in the, one of the city hotels, you can never kind of re get released from that, that cityness. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really nice. Um, I'd yeah. go back there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Awesome. Well, we've okay. on for 50 minutes, and um, hopefully that was useful to everybody. Yeah, we'll see you, uh, see you yeah. next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you.